Welcome on for tuning in to the Bad on Braves FC podcast, podcast focusing all things pro soccer in the DMV across the U.S. My name is Jose Omaña, sports writer for Sports Post, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, you know. Had a great weekend. Went to a bomb Halloween party. And also, shout out to the to Gotham uh, to Gotham FC. You're, you guys not only killed it on your uh, on your Twitter video, but also you killed it on the TIFO game. On the TIFO game. I love it. Yeah, I mean, shout out to everybody with their Halloween deaths. Apparently, Halloween is not just a day where you can just go out and have fun. Apparently, it is now a runway for you guys to look all marvelous fantastic or just straight up ghetto so i applaud all of y'all in all y'all halloween wear remember remember we are now living in a new in a new country it's called the united states of drip you need to get to the program my friend uh, you saw i had my drip on with my shoes on so oh man i, I saw you with the ones today you you were killing it today baby uh, we, we start small and we work our way up but anyway <laughs> we'll get into more nwsl stuff in a second but first we have to talk about what happened Saturday night? Oh, well, first, Wednesday night was a blessing because DC United, with injuries and all, came out and earned a one nothing victory. Bill Hamid with another shutout performance that puts him up in the higher ranking uh, career shutouts in Major League Soccer. A strong defensive performance by United. Kevin Paredes with a goal. But then the injury bug continued as he would be he would not finish the first half, but United was able to hold off to get the victory. Then Saturday came. United had all the results heading their way. One New York club had win, have won to help United. The other earned a dramatic victory, which didn't hurt United. <laughs> it did hurt United. But then Atlanta only came up, claimed a point. United needed three. They could have climbed up all the way to fifth place. However, after scoring the first goal, United surrendered two in the second half, one right before halftime, and took a 3-1 defeat to the Columbus Crew in their home finale at Audi Field. Now with the season finale next Saturday in Toronto, United's going to need a host of results to go their way, as well as securing the victory. They sit two points out of seventh place and the final playoff spot as we speak. Mario, how should we take everything that has happened in the past week? Uh, so going into Wednesday's game, you were coming in there nervous. But given the performance that they put up on Wednesday night, a uh, strong defensive performance in a game that, again, that was characterized all season with the, with the matches against the New York Red Bulls were gritty at best. They pulled out a result, and you came into Saturday night's game a little more optimistic. And things were going on the up and up. DC United took an early lead. They were dominating for good parts of the game, creating opportunities. First 44 minutes. Then Tony Alfaro fouled Armenian international Lucas Zilarayan in the box. And I feel that was the turning point of the game when Columbus tied off a penalty kick, weirdly enough, by Lucas Zilarayan. And then just came a host of issues where defensively they were caught flat-footed on counter on a counterattack, and Columbus totally took advantage of that when Pedro Santos scored the second goal. And then finally, Lucas Silarayan doing what Lucas Silarayan usually does is giving you highlight real goals to seal the game. 
And I think now, if you're a DC United fan, you're praying that every host results imaginable, that you need to get in the playoffs happen. But there is this huge cloud of uncertainty going into it because your playoff, your playoff hopes, your playoff dreams are no longer in your hands. You don't control your own destiny. You got to wait for the Red Bulls, I think, is the main one here. You got to wait for the Red Bulls to absolutely slip in the last two games of the season. Uh, barring for a little help from Atlanta to get into the playoffs. And so it's now just gone from a little uncertainty after what happened at New York City FC to optimism after the result against the New York Red Bulls at home to what do we do now? And I guess we need to start thinking about next season after after Saturday night's result. So all in all, it's just it, it I don't know what to actually tell you at this point. I'm usually more the optimistic one here and say, yeah, I think it could happen. And I mean, I guess you could go with that because everything changes on a dime here at MLS, especially in the Eastern Conference this season. Seems like nobody wants to take advantages of, of what happens or what goes in their favor. So you got that going for you, you're DC United. But again, you don't control your own destiny. And it's kind of hard to pretty much say, yeah, I think they could get it done, especially considering what their track record's been looking like in the last few years when it comes to decision day. I think in the Columbus game in particular, I feel like everything just compounded. You know, you talked about the second goal, which normally if anyone pays attention to the way that game went, Andy Nahard had been marking out both Pedro Santos and Lucas Asalarian, the whole game, like he he was a one man wrecking crew, but you knew because of his injury issues, which didn't flare up that whole game, but you knew at some point something was gonna break. I'm mean, just like with the penalty kick. There were moments where Columbus almost scored, and you just felt like Columbus is gonna have an opportunity to tie this game. And he got the penalty kick call. It was the correct call um, by the referee. Uh, very few of those. <laughs> but that's a, that's a, that, that didn't influence in the result, really, because that was a correct call. And at some point, you just re- you knew Pedro Santos or Lucas Cesara Young were going to break through, find a hole in the game, and take advantage of it. In terms of playoffs, man, I mean, what, what was there to say? <laughs> I mean, first, I mean, this team needs to give itself more credit i think steve birnbaum was a little hard on himself i mean that's how he feels the man was devastated huge disappointment obviously we knew what was at stake started the game off well and just uh yeah couldn't finish it off guys are uh you know pretty bummed right now and it's being a tough one to swallow but at the same time this team was a floundering team at best in the past two seasons even the season with wayne rooney which ended up being his last this team have you very little vision about what it was to look like in the future, have very little vision in what it could be to post Wayne Rooney, post Lucha Costa. And we saw it a lot last year during the COVID season where the team had players, but didn't have a system, didn't have a style, didn't have something that meshed well with the given players. Hernan was right in the press conference where he said, I can't be mad at these guys. They gave it their all. Paws on one leg. He started to think a number of players that were on one leg. And you start to think about it and you get lost in the fact that, wow, 
that's a lot of injuries. It is disappointing because I think this group deserves more based on all the expected goals and chances we create. Uh, we should have a lot more goals than the goals we already have based on all the, the efforts and the mental toughness that this group have showed every single game again and again. We should probably have four to six more points and be in a more comfortable situation. And that's why I feel a lot of pain uh, on my chest because I think this group deserves uh, more or deserves to have a few more points than what we have. I mean, the best thing Jason Anderson from Black and Red United <laughs> was asked by Powell Maurer, fellow journalist over at The Athletic, how bad is DC United's injuries situation? And he thought he actually tried to make the argument they were worse last year. I was tempted to say, no, they're not. Don't count COVID. And actually, even if you count COVID, their players on the average lost 210 man games this year or an average of 6.3 per game, meaning that a player missed about, on average, each player missed about six games a season. That's, a uh, that's compared to 2020, where they only lost 122 man games, which is an equivalent to 5.3 uh, 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 per game. Yeah, and that's, again, including COVID. So <laughs> the fact that they were more injury this year than last year, where one could argue, heck, there was a Red Bull game where Bill Hamid was injured at practice. And we had Chris Seitzingle. <laughs> and we were like, wow, you can still do this. And he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Bill Hamid got injured midway through a game against Columbus, ironically enough, and they had to bring in John Kempen. So it, it tells you so much. And look, Andy has totally been the all-star on this team, but he wasn't going to be able to cover those two by himself all night long. I felt like also, Last on that night second, was, also on that second goal, Chris and Dewey Adson got torched by Pedro Santos. Well, it was it was both Andy misanticipating, and then because of that misanticipation, Chris had to then fall back, and then they essentially both got burned. But again, again, it's like, what do you expect when you have these two caliber strikers and midfielders and only one guy is responsible? You know, I know Hernan says, oh, we have this style and we don't have to really game plan for individuals. But it's clear as day that Andy was like, I'm going to mark him out. Oh, crap, there's another dude. I guess I'll mark him out, too. And that's the recipe for disaster. Um, sometimes you do need that one person, the bulldozer, that person. And then everybody else can figure out somebody else. And then go to some special situations. There are teams that are not built like Columbus who have two players that they revolve around. You know, some just have one that they really focus on. But I felt the striker situation was ghastly at best. <laughs> I really was not impressed or have been impressed the past couple of weeks with future gold boot winner <laughs> Ola Kamara. I guess we can talk about it. The sitter. At the end of the first half, or was it the second half? Start of the second half. He gets this nice, lovely through ball. It is the dream of every striker to get a through ball where you have to do one or no touches. You're in front of the keeper. You can either meg him or go right. 
he decided to side click it, hit it with the side of his cleat and go left of the keeper, and it went wide. I don't even know what to say. I've been trying to hold in one. That's the kind of miss that ruins seasons. He makes that goal of the game, the trajectory of the game changes entirely. Columbus is now fully defensive, or they have to think about it. They have they can't go full throttle in what they wanted to do, where they wanted to to play the way they played. Maybe Lucas Asadarian gets a little more hesitant, taking that long shot. That's a shot that gets you released. You're one-on-one with the keeper. I don't care if you've scored 17 goals this season. We go back to this thing again of Ola Kamara. You mean to tell me this guy... You noticed that eight of those goals were off of penalty kicks, right? Do you notice that I know that? (laughs) I do know that. Do you hear me singing praises? I said when he was at a hot streak, yeah, he's earned a little bit. But more and more as the season progressed, yes, the penalty kicks were starting to, to, to realize. And then you started to see that man go on a dry streak. The goal early on was Pariola. The goal against New York was Kevin Paredes. These were all crossing plays where one touch, quick, quick. How are our midfielders hitting strike rates at a better frame than our striker? It's pretty embarrassing that they can score better than our striker. It's embarrassing when some of our defenders go up and score penalty, score free kicks better than our strikers. Look, Roberta, I'm willing to give it another year. Yeah, I'm already thinking about next year, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not. If you're looking for optimism, wrong podcast. Uh, like, I am not optimistic that they're going to get a result of Toronto because Toronto whips our butt in Toronto on a daily basis. We've only won, I believe, two times in Toronto. That could be wrong, but whatever. We'll edit it out. We get our butts whipped in Toronto all the time. I don't expect that to change. And I expect Josie Altador to play for a contract, and he's going to whip that defense a new one. About Ola Kamara, I'm done. I'm sorry. You can't expect me to think he's a legitimate striker worth that money that we're paying him. Maybe in Division Three in England, you pay that much for a guy that misses 90% of his shot, and especially 100% in that range, but I can't take it no more. I'm sorry. I just can't take it. It's, 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 I'm done. I'm off. And he's a golden boot winner, supposedly, hypothetically, whatever. You oh, can man, put thank, Ashley- God, thank God that Rui Diaz is also on a, on a, on a dry spell as well, because if I'm Rui Diaz, I would have been scoring goals and leaving him in the dust. I am done with this. I am done with this experiment with Ola Kamara. It's three years too late. I would have canceled this. It wouldn't have been the move. I'm not even a fun fan of retreads. You think I was happy to see uh, Josh Wolf in a DC United jersey? Uh, no, he had to kind of earn it with me. You think I'm I'm happy to see Dero in a DC United? Jersey? No, he had to earn it with me. You think I'm happy to see some of these MLS retreads in DC United jerseys? Not really. I knew he failed in the West Coast, and if you fail in the West Coast, means you're gonna fail double time in the East Coast. Sorry, not impressed. Not impressed that he couldn't even survive Columbus. I've never been impressed. Get him out of my life. Get him out of my sight. I am done. Um, to second that on other retreads, uh, Ramon Avila. I have to say the following. He All looks like you- me in a kit. <laughs> no said. Hit the, hit the gym. All he does is five steps of doom, body someone, and doesn't bother to shoot the ball. What kind of shit is that? Bro, 
I know that someone said, oh, well, he's capable of doing it. He did it in Boca Juniors. Well, we now see why Minis, he only lasted half a season in the Minnesota. He doesn't do much. Like, come on, man. If we're going to bring you in, we need How to. How does he survive the Hernan Losada workout regimen? That's a very good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. How has he survived? Well, he had a knock, but I'm pretty sure that was off his own doing and not so much the Hernan Losada workout plan. I don't get it. Then on top of that, and let, 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 let's call let's go in, we can ease our way into this one. You ousted Yamil Assad, essentially. We don't know for what, but you hadn't used Yamil Assad, someone that you could have easily used when Paul was out. Paul's on one leg. Yamil still has two functionally working, two functionally working legs. You could have used them, but you decided not to. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Like, I just don't get it. It, it baffles me. And I'm also going to second you on the whole Ola Kamara thing. I'm kind of done with him. Especially <laughs> after you miss a sitter. How the how on earth do you miss that? How? It was it so got worse. It got worse when, not even on the big screen, when I got the delayed feed on the dcunited.com website because you get a different angle in that overhead angle where you see he's directly on top of the goal of the PK dot the penalty kick bot he's directly over it and he has he like a large amount of space to his left kick it to the goalkeeper's right. You have so much space. He tried to get pretty with it and cheeky with it and kicked it with the inside of his cleat. He was That's getting, kind of ironic coming from someone that doesn't miss from the penalty spot. Yeah, we're right. It's his type of range. And so <laughs> you get – you, and then he hits it with the side, and that's how I know he tried to be cheeky with it. There are times where you can be cheeky, but there's other times where you have to look and examine. It's 1-1. You just – Surrendered a goal heading into halftime. Like, legit, they just kicked the ball off and boom, they went into halftime after the penalty kick that Columbus scored on. So they kicked in the center circle, go to halftime. You need to shake that off. That's the best play possible to shake it off. You get a ball, a perfect ball. Again, striker's dreams. Get the perfect weighted ball. And there, you clearly, if you watch the overhead, if you've not, I recommend you go back. If you have ESPN Plus, go back. Watch the overhead angle of this play. The goalkeeper is leaning to his left so much because he's expecting Ola to kick to his left. So already, the keeper's looking at you to make that move. That means you need to psych him out, go right, or you nutmeg him. If you don't think the ball's traveling too much speed, you can nutmeg him. Kick with your left to the other side. And these still, depending on the angle, you'll hit the bar, bounce in, or you'll hit the bar and the ball will bounce back in. You cannot, when the keeper is giving you that much angle, try to play tricks with it. Knock it in. And that's what I've said about Ola Kamar. He tries to do pretty too much. And it's like, dog, just score. <laughs> 
Just score, baby. I'm not asking. No one's asking him to beat Cristiano Ronaldo's scoring streak. Nobody's asking him to be Leo Messi. No one's not even asking him to be Michael Gonzalez. I'm asking you to score, baby. I'm not I, even I asking could, you to be Brian McBride. Just, just go ahead and score. Score. That's an easy one. It's an easy one. And since you bought it up, I guess we have to address it. Uh, Milsad posted, funny enough, hours before kickoff, posted up a shot on his Instagram story with his locker cleared out saying pasos atrás para asegurar adelante, which translated, and I believe Mario was the one who gave me this translation, steps backwards to continue forward. Um, I mean, I can agree with you to an extent where, yeah, if you have them, use them. But clearly, he was. They just didn't get along. Whatever it was, we we speculated because of preseason and the workouts and Emil not coming one hundred percent fit because of you know him being off for so long. Um, but at the end of the day, what can we say? It, it, it may be that it may not be that we'll figure out soon or and I won't address it and we'll move on. But I do think that Emil, if he didn't want beer, it's fine. United has to move on, you know, and if they're really going to give Hernan as much leverage as he say, then we need to see him with another player there. That's not Emil Sad, someone who's bought in. So, but overall, I, I'm, last night was underwhelming, to say the least, because of the way they started, the way the game was progressing. United missed so many chances early on. They could have been up 3-0. And then Columbus just stuck their guns in uh, and took control of the game. It's sad, but it's true. They took over the game, and they showed what they were, former MLS Cup champions. He, well, to correct you, they're more like reigning MLS Cup champions. <laughs> <laughs> they're the current and defending MLS Cup champion, Columbus Crew, led by Armenian international, Lucas Zelarayan. Um, <laughs> I just didn't phrase it in the way you said it, but yeah. <laughs> they are MLS Cup champions. It is what it is. Right. And you know, the deteriorating part for me, and I, I want to say it. I, I'm more of the po- optimistic guy when it comes to this team. I never felt so much doom and gloom after a result going, yeah, this ain't going to happen. I mean, the fan side of me wants to talk myself like, yeah, this could happen. The miracles could happen. You blew it. You blew it. You, you blew it. In the moment that you needed the book, that you needed it to be something going your way because certain results went your way with Atlanta. And I guess it didn't go your way against New York, against the Red Bulls, but whatever, you know, that happens. The Red Bulls are pretty hot for the most part right now. They've only lost one game, weirdly enough, to DC United. But to lay a dud like that in the second half, that's kind of inexcusable for me. That's the part that gets me is. That whole second half after Ola Kamara missed something so simple that a five-year-old can make, a, a simple opportunity, really, it just well, went, it just went downhill from there. 
I think part of it was the substitutions and part of it was the injuries. Like we mentioned earlier, I do do agree with Hernan's statement of them, you know, and we have the evidence statistically to show like they are an injured side. <laughs> right. And I think, I think the international break in October just did not help matters at all. Cause you had three key injuries going into it. Edison Flores got injured for the 500 for the 500th time. Your <laughs> uh, Urena picked up another knock, and then Paul Ariola got injured. You were out those three guys. Jordy Reyna came in the second half last night. Granted, on one leg, he was pretty ineffective. Paul Ariola on one leg, God bless his soul, he is trying, and he and he tried for the most part. And I think also Arnon Lasada mentioned this: you're going to go without Edison Flores. Kevin Paredes and Frederick and Frederick Briand, I believe, is what he said during the press conference for the Toronto game. You're gonna be out those three guys. And so I don't know what to expect anymore. And unfortunately, yeah, the injury bug kind of killed it for uh, kind of killed DC United in this seat in the season. Hopefully next season that doesn't become much of an issue, but I just don't know where where you go at this point. I, I guess you bow gracefully and beat Toronto, but given their track record up north, <laughs> that's easier said than done. Agreed. Before we move on, for those who are interested, again, United would need a cartel of results to go their way, but the main one is the Red Bulls would need to lose out, and they would have to beat Toronto in order to secure the minimum the last playoff spot. But before we get into more negative space, let's go to the positive of what happened this Sunday. And that is the Washington Spirit continuing one of their best runs of form in years as they defeated the Houston Dash 1-0 thanks to a Trinity Ramen goal in the second half that decided the game with this victory. The Spirit are now six with six wins, three draws, and have not lost since Richie Burke was ousted in the second week of August. Ashley Hatch ended up, while she didn't score, ended the match as the win- the Golden Boot winner with 10 goals as no other goals were scored by any of the other players that were behind her. And another shutout for Aubrey Bledsoe. Mario, you were at the match. I mean... They just can't be stopped, right? Is is that what we have to say at this point? Oh uh, yeah, no, they they are unstoppable at this point. And you know, unlike Ola Kamara, who misses absolute gems, <laughs> Sam, Sam Staub put a beautiful ball into Trinity Rodman. It's the lone goal of the game, obviously. And Trinity Rodman let the ball bounce a couple times, and she put it right past Jane Campbell for the game-winning goal. You see that, Ola Kamara? That's how you fin how you finish your opportunities when you got them. Uh, and so yeah, other than that, no, I don't see anybody stopping the spirit at the moment. They've been they've been playing extremely well defensively. They have been really sound. Uh, Sam Staub uh, at center back, along with Kelly O'Hara when she when she's out there, and Emily Sonnet. She's yeah, if and Emily Sonnet have been absolutely a center back trio of sorts that have pretty much stopped any kind of attack that comes their way. Aubrey Bledsoe, 
does what Aubrey Bledsoe usually does. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think everything's clicking at the right time for the Spirit outside of the two games that they forfeited. There, there has been no stopping them whatsoever in the last month. Yeah, and a lot has to do with, in my opinion, the way they've all come back from the COVID. And also just them uniting as one and trying to make this into a season that people doesn't just remember for the Burke stuff. I think they really have took in the message of we're going to play till we can't no more. Yeah, I think honestly, it's kind of like a relief because obviously there's been a lot going on and like we've been through a lot and we've uh, sucked by each other's side through everything and soccer's obviously been our outlet for everything. So I think honestly the biggest thing is a relief and I think we're more motivated than anything. Like we want to win so bad and um, we'll do anything to get the win. So I think relief and just excitement for that. And especially having the home game with the home fans, obviously it gives us a lot of support behind. So interim coach Chris Ward kind of mentions like, hey, sometimes they come into practice totally dead. It was learned that they were practicing at a high school that apparently hopefully got resolved or will be resolved because they couldn't train at the new D.C. United Training Center. Whatever, this team has found ways to just get over those humps and battle and prove that they are one of the upper echelon teams in the league. You know, yeah, everybody's saying, yeah, all rain are pro and as well as the Portland Thorns. Like those are the two heavyweights on the, in this league, but I don't doubt what the spirit can do. And I haven't this whole season and I'm blessed that <laughs> I and other people, including the fan base haven't doubted this team and what they can do. I think what really benefited them was after the Richie Burke stuff came out, they went into that COVID break because of the two matches they had to forfeit, but as well as the good situation in general. And in between that COVID break was international break. It allowed those more veteran players who were allowed to go to their national teams to still get playing, but it allowed people like Trinity Robin, who wasn't used to getting 90-minute play because she was coming from high school was going to go to college, elected to go to the draft, gets picked up. Richie's playing her a lot of these 90-minute stuff. She mentioned herself she was spent. And the fact that that break allowed her to rebuild her body, get back into training on a regular basis, get more used to the customs of a pro, you could see it on the field. There was a point where we all were laughing in the press box because she just was like, give me a through ball. I can make this shot. She's literally waving her arms. Jacks. It looked like jumping jacks. She literally <laughs> just waving. She's literally her doing jump. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but it also shows how much he's grown in the last year throughout this season. Because again, you had some expectations of Trinity Rodman coming into it, but you didn't know the expectations were this great. And I, I think it helps that you've got somewhat. You've got a lot of players in her in her age range of, of in some way that helped that helped her mature along and helped her through the processes and the growing pains of what it's like being a rookie in, in a, in the professional league. And, and especially for her at a very young age. So she's shown a lot of maturity and a lot of growth throughout the season on the field. There, there ain't no, there is no doubting Trinity Rodman is going to be a baller with a capital B. Actually, capital baller. 
because my she does some amazing things on the field and it shows in week in and week out. But I think, yeah, I think now that because you're like you said it, Richie Burke was playing her 90 minutes almost every game to the point where she was getting spent. So now I think time management is, has been key, and especially getting these breaks due to COVID and national, international breaks have been something to her benefit. And she even mentioned it, that she was spent. But, yeah, I thought today they did well. Houston did try to move a couple of things around to try and go more in the attack. And you, you see coaches, Hernandez, one that's spoken about this for D.C. United. You don't want to make too many changes especially come out of halftime that can impact what you guys are trying to do. And in Houston's case, they went from a back three to a, a back four to a back three. And all that did was what we, if you're a Houston fan, you feared because you need to get the, a win to get in. They needed the win. And so spirit were good with a draw and a victory. And they were going to go, they were already locked into the playoffs. So it was about securing that home game. And we saw what ended up happening, which was they, create, they allowed so much space that anyone in the midfield can just sliver a nice through ball to Rodman, to Hatch, to, to Sanchez. Any one of the three, we're going to get to it. Uh, so that one change created the whole sequence for that goal. And they weren't done yet. I really did think the Spirit were going to score a second one at some point. But I think they were smart and they were the, the substitutions were perfect, especially towards the end. Hey, let me get Tori Houston out there so it helps solidify the midfield. Uh, let me get Paige Nielsen in case we need, we have a situation where they bomb in a lot of corners and they're trying to get Rachel Daly involved more. But at the end, it just, you know, I, I, with the one goal, I, I felt like they had enough to win. I'm continually amazed to see them continue to show up in the ways that they do. And, you know, when there's been a lot that's been stacked against them, um, they've, they've always risen to the occasion. And so I'm just, I'm super happy for them. I'm super happy for DC to have a home playoff game. I'm just, you know, it's, I never could have imagined this in on August 10th. Um, I think was, when this all started. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really psyched for everyone. Going against North Carolina, they've beaten North Carolina twice. That one draw, uh, Chris Ward kind of mentioned about the one draw and how Carolina, you know, they, they, they worked them. You worked them pretty well, but then they went over to North Carolina and got the result. I think that's going to be important to look at what worked. I think what we saw today was excellent, and they're getting healthy at the right time. This is the same squad that I thought it's preseason. Um, I'm not trying to boast. It's just the, the way they were constructed, the way it's a good, a good mix of younger talent coming into the league that are really good professionals international players of recognition and talent from Rodar to Takarada to U.S. women national team players and established players from the Spirits past, from Bledsoe 
to Hatch who came two years ago from a trade. Like, you had this well-enough-balanced team that I don't know how people aren't going to pick them to win. They've been all over ring twice already. I feel like they can give yeah, all they've been established powerhouses in this league. So Portland, this season, right? Portland's the only team where I'm like, okay, that's going to be a fight. Especially if the Spirit win, the lower seed will go against Portland. If they win, they automatically get all over rain. But again, I see them. They have all over rain's number. They are taking this season to heart, and they want to prove that there are more than just this controversy. There are more than just what the ownership issues are, and we'll get to that in a moment. There are more than that. They want to prove that they deserve their spot. They are good. They're better than what people think they are. Yeah, they had the two COVID forfeits. Could you imagine if they played those? And and again, we're talking about after the Richie Burke stuff, they were already motivated. Could you imagine if they played those? I feel like these teams would have won those games. So I'm interested in what we're going to see going forward. I'm interested in this Carolina game. Uh, Carolina thanks the Spirit because they need the Spirit to, to beat Houston. So I will thank North Carolina if they just serve this up on a platter and get the spirit onto the next round so we can see a heavyweight fight again between all the rain and spirit. Right, and to mention Ashley Hatch winning the golden boot, uh, the three uh, three strikers behind her were Bethany Balcasaw, Balker uh, from the OL Reign, Rachel Daly of the Houston Dash, and Margaret Midge Purse, or Midge Cartera in Spanish, all three of them had nine goals. Those were those were the ones that those were the uh, the players behind Ashley Hatch in the Golden Boot race. Sydney Larue rounds it out with eight. So, they're not, those are players that are no joke. Like Rachel Daly, no joke. Uh, we know if you follow the women's national team, you know uh, that name, Sydney uh, Larue. Like you know that name, and Mitch Purse, she's been knocking on the door. She is like. Maryland, she she's a Silver Spring native. She's been knocking the door on getting a call up in the national team. So she's no joke either. Um, yeah, this team is one not to be messed with. To me, they're the underdogs just because of everything going on. But if you actually look at the talent, look at how they're constructed, look at everything they've done this year, they're a hard team to beat. You're not just going to be able to impose your will. Like there was a reason that it didn't work with Reggie. And that was because he wanted to implement this passing style. I think with Chris, he he's really allowed them. And weirdly enough, it kind of reminds me of Chelsea in that Champions League run. He's kind of allowed them to, to, to play per opponent. Let's play to the opponent, but we'll play with our strength. So some games they play passive other games, they play very attack-heavy, and that's allowed everybody to get involved, not just, you know, focusing on, you know, uh, the spine of the team and having everything go through the middle. And, you know, there was a couple of names we didn't even talk about from today's game because they were influential in limiting certain things, but we did hurt, barely heard a lot from Ashley Sanchez, for example. We barely heard a lot about... 
uh, Andy Sullivan, for example. You know, uh, we didn't hear about, the, about those names because not that they weren't influential. It's just that they're spreading the wealth so much that everyone's getting involved that the assists came from the back line, <laughs> came from Sam Stop, not coming from anyone else, but it came from one side of the field to the other. Right, and also we got to shout out Tara McCune and uh, McKeon and uh, and and uh, Tegan McGrady was blinking on the name for a second. They put out some. They put out a pretty solid performance. Hafferty also put up a pretty solid performance as well. So you're getting you're getting key roles and just one, not even like big moments. You're just getting players doing the little things right that contribute to vic to the vic to victories like this. So everything is just clicking for the spirit, and it's just really good to see that it's clicking all at the right time. And they're a joy to watch. I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen. Like their Twitter game, for example, they've, you know, they came in with pumpkin heads to the stadium. They they were having a lot of fun in the press conference saying what they're going to dress up at for Halloween. I'm just uh, disappointed that Trinity Rodman's never watched a Halloween movie in her life. <laughs> the youth of America, what can I say? Yeah, um, I can't, I can't be that too bad at her for that one. But I, I love that you could tell that they're, they have come together. They love each other. They know what they've gone through, and they're willing. They're 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 like screw it. Or put it all out there. We need to move forward, and this is what we're moving forward towards. And I'm glad that they got in the playoffs in this manner, basically giving fu's to everyone. Because remember, they were being roasted by the league because of the COVID stuff. Even with the Richie stuff going on, everybody was roasting them for not getting COVID right. And ever since then, they are laying the smackdown on teams left, right, and center. True. And remember, all rain. Uh, be think, uh, be thankful that you actually that they actually forfeited this game. You probably would have ended up getting uh, your butts handed to here at Audi Field that day. Again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's enough for us today. I think we've talked enough football. Uh, plus, we got. Oh, also shout out to Tori Houston and Kelly O'Hara. Tori Houston made her 150th appearance in the NWSL, and Kelly O'Hara made her 100th NWSL appearance. I think they made it ages ago, but they decided to honor them today for those accomplishments. Well, they were playing away from home, so it's good to finally celebrate those accomplishments at home. And the playoff game will be played at Audi Field, so if you haven't had your tickets, go get them now. But that's enough for us today. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to know, find out what I'm working on, or you just want me to see, or you just want to see me compliment Jose's shoe game on Twitter, follow me at on Twitter as well at Mario Maya One. You want to know what you want to know what's going on in the world around you, or just in the DMV? Follow Tiempo Latino at El Tiempo Latino on Twitter. You could go on their website eltiempolatino.com, and if you want me to up my shoe game, just go get yourself a hard copy at your local newsstand or your metro station today. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always to Kel McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, you can follow 
any game information or game recaps or photos or more on the sportspulse.com. Remember to rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle Hombres FC podcast. We will talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.